Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we are live. Happy New Year, MMA Industry Podcast, uh, January 4th edition. I am your host, James Lynch, as always. And today i got a special guest, a guy I've been wanting to get on here for a while. He's an announcer, a commentator. He does it all, uh, especially on the international scene. He's done work for EFC, Brave, uh, Next Level Fights, and he also has done some great work for uh, ECB last year. Uh, it is Cyrus Fees joining me here on the program. Cyrus, how are you? Uh, fantastic, James. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh... And I like what you're doing, man. I think it's cool to kind of see the people that are, are running things behind the scenes because, you know, I think obviously the fighters deserve all the credit that they get. They're in there beating each other up inside of a cage but um, or inside a ring. But there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, and like uh, people have watched the show before, uh, sort of the inspiration for this is, I don't know if you're familiar with the SI media podcast that Richard Dietrich does. It's, uh, you know, giving a behind-the-scenes look of the media industry as far as what happens, you know, with all the major sports. Yeah. So I figured no one's doing anything about MMA, and I think it's one of the most interesting industries because a lot of the people who do this uh, do this part-time. And so I felt it was a good opportunity to do it. And uh, here we are kicking off 2017. And the way I always, or sorry, 2018, I should say. I'm already sure. losing the years here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, first thing I always sort to do on the show is uh, talk about how I know the guest and you and I have actually never met in person but uh, the first time I sort of became aware of you was uh, two ways uh, one is uh, you know I've done work on flow combat so I've seen you on there and then obviously you and I have a mutual friend and, and uh, someone that I've interviewed a number of times prime and time. Adam, Adam primetime Townsend exactly so <laughs> I'm going to start there how long have you known primetime for because he's uh, quite the character so I, I've known Adam Townsend since he's made his debut in mixed martial arts. So, I mean, we're, we're literally from the smallest, this little area in Tennessee, uh, the Tri-Cities. And when he was going, when he was coming up, I was coming up as well uh, as a ring announcer and, and doing play-by-play. -play. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I ring announced his first ever amateur bout. Um, and he's had a bunch of fights. And I think I've done about three quarters of them in some respect, either play-by-play uh, or doing ring announcing. So um, I saw him from the beginning. Uh, I've seen him evolve uh, in, into what he is today, which is this crazy redneck little MMA fighter that's going overseas. I, and I think it's awesome. 
Yeah, and the UFC really missed the ball. I'll say this right here. They, they missed the ball not getting him on the Ultimate Fighter. I know he was close on that McGregor-Faber uh, season, but uh, yeah. that's uh, that, that, that was a missed opportunity there. But uh, we can talk about Adam later. Uh, let's talk about you, though, a little bit uh, off the top. I mentioned your credentials here. You are a full-time uh, person in this industry, which uh, you know isn't that common, uh, especially for uh, you know a lot of the gigs that are out there. Um, you've been doing this for three years. How's it been uh, you know, doing this full-time and you know, not having to work a day job? Well, it's cool. I mean, it's a dream come true. I mean, I got, I got two kids first off. So I got a four-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, so being able to do this full time and still have a lot of time at home is pretty incredible. It's, it's about the best uh, position I could even hope for. Um, so I, you know, the time that I'm not overseas, uh, doing work, I'm at home hundred percent, which is great. You know, so from the time my kids wake up to the time they go to sleep, I'm at home. So that's been really good. Um, but yeah, being able to do this full time, like you said, there's a, a handful of people to do it, uh, and to be a part of that handful and to make good enough money, um, you know, to take care of my family, my wife still works as well. So, um, to be able to do all that and live this dream, it, it's awesome. And sometimes I have to pinch myself. And when I get irritated from, you know, a 12 hour layover in this airport or, you know, missing flights, whatever, I have to remind, remind myself, it's like. I watch fights for a living. I announce fights for a living. It's there's people that would, you know, kill for a job like this. So yeah, it's been incredible. It's been fun. And I've literally seen a ton of countries, you know, six different continents. So it's been pretty amazing. When people think of MMA, they often think of the UFC, but uh, like you and I were talking off air, there's a whole other scene uh, internationally yeah. and you've really sort of carved yourself a niche out there and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, commentating for and, and ring announcing for a lot of the, the major promotions out there. So I'm happy to kind of get you on here and talk a bit about that. And we'll, we'll get to that a bit later, but uh, I wanted to start the show off and, and talk a bit about uh, how you got into combat sports. I know you're a pro wrestling fan growing up. I'm assuming that came before your interest in martial arts. Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah, as far as I made it in martial arts, I think I made it to uh, an orange belt in Taekwondo when I was, I don't know, nine years old or 11 years old or something like that, um, which is crazy because I get asked that all the time. And, and I, most people that are in this industry, commentators or even yourself, I'm sure people have asked you, you know, you know what do you do? Do you train, et cetera? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm literally just in the broadcast industry. Uh, it's what I went to college for. I went to college for TV and radio, started in radio, moved into TV. And, um, yeah, I love wrestling. Uh, I grew up with the same guys everybody did with the Vince McMahon's on commentary and the Howard Finkel's uh, as the ring announcer. And then I think it was about 2005 when I really got into MMA. Um, I was living in China at the time. I was teaching English. And, um, and I started watching UFC, and I started watching Pride. And I watched the Pride, and the thing that got me into the sport was I was watching Pride. Uh, it was – one of the ones that was in Vegas, I want to say it was the second one in Vegas, maybe. Uh, but it was when Dan Henderson knocked out um, uh, da, 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 Vanderlei Silva with a broken arm. So he broke his, I want to think he broke his right arm. So he didn't have the big H bomb, but he knocked him out with his left hand. Um, and when he did that and they sold it to me and the commentary sold it to me and I was so into it. And, and that's kind of where I made the transition. And I actually turned more into fighting than I did wrestling. I still love wrestling to this day. Um, but I really like MMA now, and now I get to work in it. So, yeah. So you still follow up professional wrestling. Do you watch, you know, the For WWE, sure. or do you watch sort of everything? Is there sort I of – I kind of skip uh... through it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't watch a, a full show. I mean, three hours of Monday Night Raw is, I think, a little bit much for anybody <laughs> to take in. Yeah. Uh, but I still follow it. Um, I obviously I read all the results. 
there's certain guys that I like to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still love it. I still love the pageantry of it. I still love the stories when a guy delivers a crazy promo or, or has a, a really good match or the nostalgia factor, they bring a guy back that you haven't seen in a while. That's the stuff that really piques my interest. Um, but yeah, but I love wrestling. I even watch impact a little bit and, um, ring of honor and stuff and new Japan and, um, stuff that really people are talking about. Then, then I'll take a look at it for sure. Who, who are some uh, wrestlers that you think are sort of doing it right, right now? Who are some of the, the people you like to tune into? Yes. Yeah. It's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I like uh, I like Jericho still. Jericho's still doing it at a really high level, which is cool. Um, kind of moving the needle a lot. Um, uh, Seth Rollins, those guys, um, you know, a CM Punk who's stepped away now, but when he was doing his thing, I really like watching it. Guys that can deliver a really good promo uh, is what I like to watch because they just kind of add that much more fuel to the fire. Um, you know, the Young Bucks in New Japan are fun. Kenny Omega, you know, all the guys, you know, that are exciting right now, I like to watch, you know, so uh, I even like Roman Reigns, you know, I, I don't have a problem okay. with Roman Reigns, most people have a problem with him, I don't have a problem with him, the guy's doing his job at a high level, so I like to watch it, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's fun still, you know, there's still some guys that are really doing it the right way, so. Do you feel like being a pro wrestling fan has also helped you in your work in commentary or ring announcing? Sure. Because, uh, you know, you obviously develop, uh, you, you learn a lot from wrestling. I think that those are people who sort of really know how to exemplify their personality. And, and I'm sure you're able to carry that on into what you do. Sure. I'm high energy. Um, that's one thing about my commentary is uh, I turn it up a lot. Even when it's a prelim fight or it's, you know, second fight on the card, um, they usually get the same sort of attention that the main event does. Um, obviously the main event, you know, you kind of go to another gear, but, but I'm pretty high energy the entire time. And I think I got a lot of that from wrestling. Uh, yeah, a guy like a Jim Ross, uh, or even a Vince McMahon who always kind of was high energy the entire time. You know what I mean? He was getting as excited for Tatanka as he was getting as excited for Bret Hart. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, I like stuff like that. I, I think you want to give those guys, um, the same amount of attention, the same amount of energy um, that are lower on the card as you want to give to the guys that are, you know, in the main event. They deserve it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I try to give them a lot of energy. When was that moment? Sorry, geez, my uh, my throat just got cut out there. Uh, that, that's, that's what you call like an, uh, you know, 56K internet connection there, if you remember those uh, back in the day. <laughs> but. Uh, um, but when was that moment for you where you wanted to, to go into, you know, ring announcing it in commentary? Was it early on? Was it when you were watching the UFC? When did it sort of happen for you? Pretty early on, uh, I guess in high school, because uh, okay. that's, you know, I was originally I was wanting to be a teacher in high school. And then uh, I had a teacher in high school that got me in speech competitions and got me in a radio and uh, drama and that sort of thing. And once I started doing that, I thought to myself, it's like, OK, I'm probably not going to be a wrestler. How <laughs> am I going to get into this industry? Am I going to be a manager? Um, which I thought that'd be fun, too. Um, but ringing out saying, I'm like, gosh, you know. I looked at it originally as, well, this is an easy job. You know, you jump on the microphone, you introduce somebody, you sit back down, and, and that's really the end all be all of it. So that's kind of when I got interested in it. Um, you know, and a guy, uh, Justin Roberts, I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Um, I remember when he got the job, um, I was in high school. I want to say I was maybe a senior in high school. And he had a website back then. Uh, he was kind of ahead of his time. And I remember emailing him and just kind of congratulating him and asking him, you know, how did you do it? And I, and I read his story, you know, starting off with, I want to say it was, what King of the Cage, it was uh, Tough Man competitions he was doing. 
so he started doing Tough Man on, I want to say it was on TNN or something is when they were doing those. And, um, and that's where he got started. And I was thinking, okay, start small, you know, work your way up. And, um, and eventually when I got to college down here in Tennessee, um, I were, started working for some small wrestling shows and working for literally nothing. But um, but able to put the suit on, get on a microphone, and start carving my way out. So that's kind of when I figured it out. Is I kind of watched Justin Roberts and kind of watched the way he went up, and I just thought, hey, I could be that guy. So, so he was probably one of your early mentors as far as someone you looked up to. Was there anyone else, or yeah. was he sort of the catalyst? He was he was probably the earliest influence or the earliest. Um, I wasn't really a mentor, I guess. I mean, because I didn't really talk to him a whole lot. Um, the first real mentor that I had, um, oh, there's two guys. So I reached out to Bruce Buffer when I first got into it. Oh, no way. Um, and went on the bufferzone.com was his old website. I don't know if it still runs today or not, but of course he used to, or he still manages Michael's stuff, uh, which is how Michael got all his trademarks and how he really kind of took his stuff to the next level where he went into being a more of a mainstream guy, even than just a boxing announcer. Um, so that was Bruce's influence and then of course bruce got the job with ufc and i just reached out to him and i sent him an email on bufferzone.com to like info at bufferzone and just told him who i was and he got back to me i want to say within like an hour which was amazing i'm like okay this guy is the man on ufc and he's taking the time to send me a message which i thought was really cool and he just said you know develop your own personality don't try to be like anybody um you know don't worry about having a catchphrase just do you, you know what I mean? Be your own guy, um, which I thought was great advice right out of the gate. Then the other guy was Joe Martinez. And, oh, WEC legend. So I think Joe Martinez is the best announcer in, in the game. And yeah. uh, as good as Bruce is and as good as Michael is and all these guys, I think he is, has the smoothest delivery that you could possibly ever hear. I mean, the guy just, he gets on a microphone and he gets so comfortable and it's, it's not just, you know, standing this tall, weighing. He just – he'll throw little things in there, you know. This fighter has a record. I mean, it, it's so smooth, and it's never the same every time. Like, it just oozes out of him, uh, which I think is so cool. So, another guy that takes the time to talk to me um, has actually given me a few jobs when, you know, he couldn't make it. Uh, he gave me a job at Cage Warriors one time. He helped me get some different uh, jobs, even as doing uh, – uh, for the Chicago Cubs minor league. I did their PA for a season and he helped me do that. You know what I mean? So uh, he's just been, a, he's been my number one mentor. I can call him anytime if I need advice from not only just how to do the job or look at my real, you know, business stuff, you know, what should I be charging? You know, um, is this enough? You know what I mean? Negotiation, stuff like that, which is very important. Um, so yeah, he, he's been my guy and, um, and he's a good friend. We've had a chance to meet and hang out. He's he's a real good dude. So, yeah, he's one of my favorite as well. And uh, I'm surprised more people don't sort of bring him up. One of my favorite things that he does uh, when when you talk about him being smooth is uh, whenever he pronounces like a Spanish name, I always find it so smooth compared to any other ring announcer out there. It's uh, it's yeah. crazy. Well, he's bilingual. I mean, and, yeah. and you know, his main job, which a lot of people don't know this, is with Golden Boy Boxing. Yeah. Uh, the guy stays extremely busy with them. Golden Boy puts on events almost every weekend. Um, so he's bilingual. Um, so he can pull that stuff off really, really well. Uh, he's super smooth with the foreign names, which is really cool. I, I, I try to roll my R's. I mean, I, I've done, you know, <laughs> Mexican fighters, Spanish fighters, uh, even down in Brazil and um, – 
and don't even get started on the Russians and the Polish fighters. That's that's a whole other box of worms, but uh, a whole other can of worms. But yeah, he's he's good at that, which I, which I really like. I mean, he can basically go into wherever country he's at and assimilate himself and, and really announce for that crowd, which I think is cool. And you mentioned, uh, you know, doing a bunch of work early on. You mentioned the Chicago Cubs gig for the minor league affiliate. Yeah. Uh, what was your very first uh, sort of paid job that you ever did? Uh, did you can, can you remember that and go back that far? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was here around. It was around here in, uh, in Tennessee. Uh, it was for NWA Smoky Mountain. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it was an NWA affiliate, you know. I uh, had the chance to ring out when, uh, you know, Ricky Steamboat came and he was our special guest referee. AJ Styles came and did a few shows. Uh, so some pretty big names, which was back in the day, you know, being a big wrestling fan. I remember when AJ Styles was coming up and he was my guy. And that was years ago, like 2000, 2001 when he was on TNA. So that was a big deal for me. Uh, and of course, Ricky Steamboat. But that was my first paid gig. Uh, it wasn't for much. Um, yeah. But I, hey, I appreciated the opportunity. I mean, every show I could get on, um, I would be there. You know what I mean? So, uh, but that's how you cut your teeth. You know, that's that's what I tell anybody that gets into this. It's like take every job you can get, get as much time on a microphone that you can. What about your first MMA uh, gig, uh, as far as something paid? Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was here in uh, it was in Virginia, which is right over the state line in Bristol. Uh, yeah, it's for a small show called Cage Combat. Um, did a couple of their shows, uh, moved up to uh, a show here in Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, with Casey Oxenine as the promoter, um, who we would work together for years and do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but he was the promoter, and then that kind of led, you know, to the TV show and all kinds of stuff. But that was my first paid uh, MMA job. I think it was for a hundred bucks. So yeah, that was cool. Which was big. That was a big jump. I mean, from doing wrestling where you might get twenty bucks. You know what I mean? Maybe, and you might not get that. It might be wait till next time or whatever. Maybe I'll get you next next time to a hundred bucks. That was, uh, was a big deal, man. Yeah, you got you got to take the paid gigs when you when you can get them. Um, now, as sure. far as uh, what was paying the bills at the time when you were first starting out, what were you doing for work back then? Uh, yeah, so I worked in radio. Uh, worked in radio. I DJed at some clubs. Um, so a little bit of everything. I actually got a gig. Um, shortly after I started doing MMA announcing working for our ABC news affiliate. So I was doing news anchor work. They reopened up their, uh, their news division. They hadn't had news in I think four or five years and they reopened it. And all they were doing was like 15 minute news breaks, uh, like in the morning and the afternoon and then the evening. So I would go in and I'd record those in the morning and they would run all day. Uh, but you know, Hey, I, I can say I worked for, you know, ABC news that that's on my resume, which is pretty cool. Uh, nice. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, so a little bit of everything, but yeah, mostly DJing and uh, and stuff like that. And But yeah, it took care of me. So it was cool. They paid the bills. What would you say was your first big break? Because uh, you and I talked about this off air. You worked for Fight Now, which uh, for those I want to go back to, I think I want to say 2009, maybe 2010. Uh, Fight yeah. Now was this 24-hour uh, uh, television network uh, yeah. in the States that was similar to uh, the 24-hour sports network. network that I used to work for at Fight Network. So uh, yeah. would you would you say that was sort of the first one or was there something else before that? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as so, – so the TV show started here in Tennessee. We were – it was called MMA Inside the Cage. And I co-hosted it. I, I wrote the segments, uh, gathered all the content. Um, and we started off just covering, you know, the Tri-City stuff, you know, guys like Adam Townsend and Tyler Minton and some of these guys. And then that turned into an international show because we started covering international content. So I reached out to M1 Global. I reached out to EFC in Africa. 
in all these shows, basically all I did was go to Wikipedia and look up MMA organizations. And I just started contacting these guys on Facebook and emailing them through their website. And I'd say, hey, listen, send me your highlights. I'll put it on our TV show. I think at the time before we got to fight now, we were with a uh, network called AMG TV uh, and then Tough TV, which is T-U-F-F. And they're terrestrial, like, networks, not it, but like basically, so you'll have like, if you look on your cable, like you'll see like ABC, so say that's channel five, and then they'll have 5.1 and 5.2. And they're these terrestrial networks that really hit a lot of homes, but a lot of people don't know about them. But basically, I reached out to them, we showed them what it looked like, it was pretty good production for what it was, they picked it up. Uh, and then it eventually turned into Fight Now. And uh, Fight Now actually reached out to us, which I thought was cool. And they liked our content and they picked us up and uh, they took care of all of our bills, all of our production bills, which was amazing. Um, we weren't making a whole lot of money, but it was cool. Uh, weekly show. So 50, you know, 50 shows a year. So yeah, that was a pretty big break. Uh, and that led to so many things. So everything snowballs and it all leads to bigger things. And I'm sure you know that, you know, yep. it's the people that you meet, the connections that you make. Um, and it was, reaching out to EFC in Africa, reaching out to a show like Abu Dhabi Warriors, which is my first international show, uh, and then Australian Fighting Championship. And that all happened, I think, in 2012. Um, so between Fight Now TV and then uh, working for Abu Dhabi Warriors and getting a taste of the international scene and Australian Fighting Championship, that's when things really, really started rolling. And Fight Now is interesting because they actually used to film segments in uh, in Hamilton, I believe, in uh, in, yeah. in Ontario, which is uh, very close to Toronto, where, where I'm from. Um, did you ever work at all? Because I'm, I'm going to name drop a little bit here. I don't know if you know them, but uh, Bridget Trong and uh, yep. Corey Erdman, I, I I know them quite Corey, well. And they, they, yeah, Corey, no, but Bridget, yes. Okay, um, we did a few things. Uh, I want to say we did a few interviews with her on her news hits and stuff like that. Um, all the stuff she was doing. So we did a few interviews and worked alongside her. Uh, we went out and covered the UFC Fan Expo for uh, for Fight Now and stuff. So we did a lot of interviews and sent them in. Um, and I think the Arnold Classic as well in Columbus. Right. Yeah, so, back when uh, they used to do that, yeah. Got a lot of interviews with that, um, which was really fun, you know, getting to meet the guys and interviewing some pretty big names. Um, but, you know, we actually brought a lot of guys into our studios in Tennessee, which was really fun. So Ken Shamrock uh, came and did a, a local show, I think, for uh, – uh, it's called ruckus in the cage. He came and did an appearance Well, we brought him into our studio, um, and did a full sit down interview with him. I mean, and talked on all the hard hitting issues. It was fun. Um, we had Marlus Coonan, um, and a bunch of WMMA girls that came in, uh, for a show in Asheville, North Carolina. Well, we brought them into our studio, which is like an hour away and, uh, got to interview them in studio. Uh, Oh, Vince St. Prue obviously trained right up the road in Knoxville. So we had him. Tyler Maley Minton, who was on the Ultimate Fighter, who now is a nutrition freaking magnet, which is amazing what he does right now. Yeah. Uh, we had him in studio. So, uh, yeah, we did some really cool stuff even in our studio in Tennessee in this little small area. We, pretty, we brought some pretty big names in. And I think if you go on YouTube, you can see some of your old stuff on there. Cause I know for, for a while they need to upload everything. So if you go fight now TV, you can look at uh, some of Cyrus's uh, early work uh, with fight now, which is uh, pretty cool. But uh, you mentioned, you know, using that a platform and then, you know, going on to other things and, and, you know, you talk about your international gigs. So was it just sort of a snowball effect after that is once you had the fight now stuff, it just sort of, you know, more and more gigs. And then, you know, it sort of just led to you doing this full time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in this industry, I mean, it's, to get the good jobs, you got to have a pitch. I mean, cause mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys with a good voice. You know what I mean? There, there really is. I mean, 
you know, there's probably a hundred guys out there that can do the job that have a good voice, but what extra do you bring to the table? Uh, and I think people that are in the wrestling business will tell you the exact same thing. Um, you got to be able to do more stuff, you know? So I would basically, I think for Abu Dhabi warriors, um, that was through some connections that I made and, but having our TV show and being able to offer them coverage on a TV show made having me as an announcer even more enticing. So I could say, listen, bring me in to announce. I'll cover you on my TV show. You got to have something extra. Unfortunately, that's what it is. You know what I mean? It's uh, that's like any business though. Um, so, you know, doing that, you know, I got the Abu Dhabi Warriors, then Australian fighting championship. We covered them on our show. And then they said, listen, we'll bring you guys out to do commentary. Um, so we did, I did play by play Casey Ox and I did color with me. So we did, um, three events with them that turned into another Australian show reaching out to me called combat eight. So I got to go to Australia two more times. I mean, five times Australia was a freaking dream come true. I mean, I love Australia. That was as a kid, that was the place I wanted to go. You know what I mean? So I got to go to and live one of my dreams pretty quickly. Um, and then, uh, that turned into a show in Romania called super combat. I went out and, uh, did a lot of stuff with our show, got them hooked up with Fight Now TV, so made that introduction for them. Um, and then they worked out a deal for a couple of years on Fight Now. So I made that happen. So I did all their ring announcing and their commentary. So I was doing both during the show, uh, which is intense. Um, and then that, and then other shows just started coming on. So uh, Abu Dhabi Warriors came back. Uh, the Cage Warriors gig happened. Um, and then, uh, gosh, I'm losing track. EFC, EFC showed up. Um, and then ACB and, and, and all this stuff. So yeah, it just, it was a snowball effect is exactly what it was. And, and my reel got better. You know what I mean? As it goes, right. you're constantly building the show reel all the time. Uh, anybody that's in media, an on-air guy, uh, you're constantly building your reel. You know what I mean? And it's always evolving. And that's kind of how I did it is I would build my reel. I'd send it out. Every time I do a better job, I'd add that into it and, uh, and hustling just like crazy just grinding. And, and you talked about, you know, sort of the early shows you were doing uh, internationally. Were there any fighters uh, that, that you got to, you know, call their fights early on that, that maybe, you know, are in the UFC now or notable that people would know? Oh gosh. Now, now you're, see, I asked the tough I, questions I, here. So I it's put you a on lot the spot. of shows. It's a lot of yeah. shows. Um, yeah. Okay. So Australia, uh, Daniel Kelly, a guy. That, okay. Yeah. Jake Matthews, Daniel Kelly, those guys out of Australia went on to do some pretty big things. Um, I'm trying to think some other guys and uh, Ruan Potts. Didn't he go to the UFC from EFC or was that that later? So that was after so I got to Ruan. Uh, I covered Ruan on our TV show a lot. Um, so so Pelele ended up going into the UFC doing some cool stuff. Um, but like Ruan Potts, I met him after he was out of the UFC and went back to the EFC and now he's still fighting with the EFC. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I met him. I'm trying to think um, up in cage warriors i announced for oh danny danny roberts hot chocolate um who else uh, da, 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 uh jesse yeah jesse taylor obviously was it was it tough went to cage warriors then went back and won the that last that one of the last toughs which was pretty cool his resurgence um so there's been a lot um you know I, there's an, and another one that i forgot to mention and somebody that's probably watching is probably gonna try send me a message and say, Hey, what about us? But, uh, XFC with access TV, that was actually one of my biggest breaks too, because that was on, um, cable TV in the U S. So for me, 
that was even bigger than the international stuff at the time because I could actually call my family and say, listen, I'm going to be on Access TV on Friday nights, you know, once a month, which was amazing. Um, so I, I got with XFC for like their last six events before they went internationally down to Brazil. And then I did the first year of that as well uh, down in Brazil. Um, so that was really cool too. So XFC was a big thing too. So a lot of guys, Scott Holtzman as a guy that came up through there, um, and through the local scene here in Tennessee. Um, so a lot of guys through XFC as well, that came up uh, a lot of the girls, Hey, even the, the queen, Angela Magana, she came up through there. <laughs> That's <laughs> the right. <queen. laughs> Don't That's ever right. forget about the queen. No. Uh, that... <laughs> so yeah, a lot, a lot of big names. Yeah. It's been pretty cool. Now we talked about how, you know, things just really started to pick up and you're getting all these gigs and everything like that. And you talked about off the top, you know, you're, you're a parent, uh, your husband, how tough was this on your social life as far as, you know, being a family man, you know, trying to do things, how, how did you sort of navigate around that? Yeah. So over, over the years, it's gotten bigger. So I just recently, I was, yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time on airplanes and in hotel rooms and I was like, okay, I'm going to go online. I'm going to put together every event that I've done into a spreadsheet. You know, so when the date was, where it was, who was the main event, what show was it, blah, 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 blah. And I think I'm about to doing live commentary or live announcing like 170 shows or something like that, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is when you're talking about international shows and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, the family life, it's, um, it's, it's hard, man. It really is because when you're gone, you're gone. I mean, it's not like you're down the road and you can come home and go to sleep. I mean, you're gone for a minimum of four days. You know what I mean? And sometimes I think last year I had a period where it was five weeks, well, five weeks in a row. So I would basically leave on a Wednesday. I'd get home on Sunday or Monday. Then I'd be back out on Wednesday or Thursday, get home Sunday or Monday, back out again. And just not only missing your family and dealing with that and missing moments and missing, you know, birthday parties and stuff like that. It's uh, the sleep aspect, man, my, my body clock is, it doesn't know what's going on. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like going to Africa, that's seven hours, seven hours difference. Australia is like a 14 hour difference. Um, Russia, seven hours, eight hours, uh, Middle East, nine hours, 10 hours. I mean, it's, it's intense and it just destroys your body. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. lot of caffeine and it's a lot of melatonin to try to go to sleep. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. Cause you're, tra- you're getting adjusted for all those time zones uh, and everything else. Um, did your family ever uh, come on any of the trips with you or was that too difficult uh, just with, you know, the, the amount of time and everything? I've been able to bring my wife twice uh, down to South Africa, which has been really cool. Uh, the thing is when, th- when this really started picking up is when my wife got pregnant with our kids. Uh, oh, okay. So about the time that things really picked up, which was 2012, um, is when uh, my wife got pregnant with my daughter. So she's been pregnant, you know, taking care of the kids. They're super young um, and we've had two. So you got to figure pretty much four years are pretty much occupied with just raising kids and having kids. Um, so uh, I've been able to bring her down to Africa to Cape Town uh, and then to Durban uh, and then a resort in Sun City uh, all in one trip. So uh, she's got to see some pretty cool stuff with me. Um, I haven't been able to bring her as much as I'd like to, I'd like to bring her more because it's, that's another thing when you're married and you call up on FaceTime, you know, two, three times a day or once a day, whatever. And you're like, Hey, what's going on? I'm in Rio de Janeiro at the beach. What are you up to? And you see my kids like throwing stuff around the living room. My wife's just trying to survive and that, and that's hard. And, it, and I don't think she, she doesn't intentionally resent me for it. 
but how can you not? You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's anybody. You know what I mean? If you call yeah. and you see somebody on the beach or, you know, at the Leaning Tower of Pisa or, you know, here or there or whatever, hey, I'm at the opera house. What are you doing? It's like I'm changing a crappy diaper. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's not as glamorous. Yeah. It's like, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? I, I'm sorry that that's happening for you right now. But <laughs> so that sort of stuff. So that, that can be a source of stress. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's all part of it, I guess. You, know, you, make, you make it work, right? I mean, you have to. You right? have it's, to. Yeah. 30, 32 events last year is what I did. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, 52 weeks out of the year. Um, I, want, I want to say probably 25 of those were overseas at least, uh, if not more, 26 or 25 or 26. So that's a lot of time away from home. Yeah. Is it safe to say those two things are sort of the biggest challenges or is there anything else we haven't uh, ticked off that list as far as, uh, you know, challenges with the job, you know, just travel and, you know, kind of not getting to see your family? Uh, yeah, I mean, on a personal level, for sure, professionally, um, it's, it's entertainment. I mean, so it's like any entertainment industry, you're, you're kind of always looking over your shoulder and kind of watching your back a little bit. Um, it's dog eat dog. So yeah, people that you think, and I've seen this happen a couple times, people that are supposed to be your friends, acquaintances, especially where I work for different shows. I may have a guy I work with on one show and he may be trying to pick up my job on another show. I mean, it, it's just, it's yeah, reality. It's, cutthroat. You know it I mean? is. it's, it's yeah. reality. And it's nothing that I technically hold against somebody. I prefer not to go that route. Uh, you know, I, I literally have gotten where I've gotten because I've hustled my ass off for it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. constantly emails and Facebooks and calls in the middle of the night overseas. And, um, you know, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's that's what the hustle is. That's the grind of it. Uh, but there are people that'll take other shortcuts. So you kind of got to watch out for that sort of thing. Um, and of course, learning about the fighters and prepping and dealing with technical aspects of it. You know, with the production. You know, you have an in ear. You got a producer yelling at you. You got other things going on. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, and then dealing with the travel and the flights and uh, just trying to keep your sanity through it all. You know what I mean? So. That, that's probably the biggest challenge. It's a pretty good list, though. 
Yes, it is. You certainly <laughs> list off a lot there. Uh, one of the unique things about you, aside from the fact that you're doing a lot of international gigs, is the fact that you're doing commentary and ring announcing. Do you know of anyone else in MMA that's doing uh, you know, both as well right now? Because uh, it seems like you're one of the few. On, on this level, no. Uh, yeah. There's a couple. Uh, I, I don't want to say that there's not. Uh, I can't think of many off the top of my head. Uh, we have a group on Facebook of all ring announcers. It's like a it's like a private group or whatever where we can kind of talk to each other and you know trade secrets and stuff like that. And never want to get too much to each other. But um, I don't think there is on this level. Okay. So yeah, I told you off air. Listen, I mean, I, I talk about myself and I post stuff, but at the same time, I'm not a real boastful guy. I'm mm -hmm. really not. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty low key about it. Uh, I'm not a guy that's going to go out of my way to tell you what I do and that sort of thing. If you ask me, I'll tell you, but I don't make a big deal about it. Um, but I don't know that there's anybody else that's doing it on that level uh, yeah. on, on large productions. Um, so it's made me kind of, it's given me, you know, multi, it's multi tools. You know what I mean? It's given me a few different pitches. It's like, I can contact a guy and say, listen, like with ACB, ACB reached, I reached out to ACB and, I said, hey, I would love to work with you guys. And, and the guy that contacted me said, hey, well, we saw what you did in Africa and you do a great job. And I said, well, if you ever need a guy, let me know. I came back. We might need you. I said, okay, cool. So they signed me on. I'm going to Manchester. This was in March. And uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm emceeing, right? They're like, no, no. I said, hey, I'm doing play-by-play, -play, right? They're like, no, 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 you're doing MC. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, I can do both. So that gives me... Another thing I could throw at a promoter, you know, when I'm pitching myself. So that's a cool thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it gives me a few more options. You mentioned not not trying to be boastful and stuff. That's something I actually struggle with a little bit because I the, I, I hate people who have a big ego, and I'm someone that tries to avoid that. But you yeah. know, sometimes you want to acknowledge your accomplishments. I, I the odd time I will you know put something out there and say, hey, listen, you know my my YouTube channel reached this many views, or you know sure. this and that. But it's it's something I actually struggle with, and it's something I'm I'm starting to learn. You know, trying to find that walk that line between you know being uh, you know acknowledging your accomplishments but not having an ego thing. Is that something you've had to struggle with at all, or is it just something yeah. that you've taken in stride? Yeah, it's funny, and, I, and I'll gauge it, and unfortunately, we're so, I think everybody's pretty attached to their social media, Yeah. Um, not even just for business, you know what I mean? Like, I find myself scrolling Facebook all the time, yeah. but one thing that I've noticed, which I think is, it, which is, I've had a hard time dealing with, is like, I've done a lot of cool stuff, you know, and, and I want people to watch it, and I want people to say, hey, you know, great, and you kind of want that reinforcement, I think everybody does, yeah. and I'll put stuff up, and it's like, hey, I just got this job. I'm going to Thailand and it's like, I might get two likes. It's like, yeah. wow. It's like, how many people do you know that are going to Thailand? You know right. I mean? Yeah. Exactly. How many people do you know that is doing commentary with Frankie Edgar? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a big deal, but people are getting so used to it that they're numb to it. And I think people kind of get kind of nasty about it and kind of get a, I think there's that, you know, that bit of jealousy and that kind of nastiness. You're you going to encounter like, that no matter what. That's something I've yeah, had to right? just, just accept because there, there's going to be yeah, people no matter happen, what right? that just don't, they, they don't want, they, they, they wish you were doing what, you know, you're, they, they wish they could do what you're doing basically. Sure, and so you're, exactly. you're going to get people no matter what you do, you could be on point with whatever you do. Yeah. People are going to hate on you and you just have to, you have to accept that sort of early on, I think anyway. Yeah, no, you do, you know, but I think it's something that kind of affects everybody, whether they vocalize it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it's, I let, I let the actions and I let the results speak for themselves. Exactly. You know I mean? And like, yeah. I, 
I'm happy with what I'm doing. It's, it's cool. It's great. And I'm, and every year from 2012, when I went international or even from 2009, when I started announcing every year has been better. And I looked at my spreadsheet and I was like, okay, I, I started off 2009 with one event, 2010, one event, 2011, like five events. And then every year has gone up until it was 32 events. I don't know that I can even do more than 32 events to keep my sanity, but I'll probably do more this year somehow, right. some way. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it's that's that's one of the challenges. You know what I mean? You want to try to keep your ego in check, but at the same time, God, live it, enjoy it, post about it. Who gives a dang? You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah, and you, you can't you can't let all those comments affect you. You got to you got to yeah. keep going on and, and doing what you do best. And you know, it's something we talk about a lot on the show is you know, it's one thing to get to a certain point of where you know you've achieved a certain amount of success. But uh, you know, I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's basically you know, you always have to be a better version of yourself going forward. Otherwise, sure. you're going to get stuck in that same spot. And that's something that I always try and keep in mind. You know, it's great that I'm doing all these interviews, but I've got to do more impactful interviews because otherwise, someone else is going to take my position and do the same oh, yeah. thing that could do it better. So that's something I'm always sort of conscious of. And I'm sure you, you have the same thing where it's like, Hey, listen, I've got this great gig. You know, the fact that you're getting more and more events, I think speaks to the fact that you're doing better uh, at each of these events and people are, you know, wanting to, to bring you in more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you're not growing, what is, I don't know what that quote is, but if you're not growing, you're dying. And I don't know, something yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I understand the point you, of it. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, that's what it is. You constantly have to want to get better. And I tell anybody that asks me, it's like, listen to your work, critique your work. Um, I'm one of, I'm by far my worst critic, a hundred percent. Cause I'll, I'll send anything to somebody and they'll, oh, it was amazing. I could pick it apart left and right. It's like, okay, I said this word so many times. It, I'm totally overusing this adjective. Um, that fight finish, when I called that finish, that wasn't nearly as good as it could have been. Like, um, so I'm constantly um, trying to critique my work from the way I dress to, the way I announce a fight to my prep. Um, so yeah, you have to be on your P's and Q's. You've got to continue getting better. You don't want to get complacent. Um, otherwise, you know, you won't continue to grow. You won't get the better job. They'll see it. You know, the people that are scouting you out will see it and say, hey, that one wasn't as good as it was last time. Maybe we won't use him. You know what I mean? So uh, you have to constantly try to get better. So yeah, that's, that's part of it, 100%. You mentioned doing commentary with Frankie Edgar. I, that was for a Brave show, if I'm not mistaken, was it not? Yeah, it was a Brave Combat Federation and uh, uh, also uh, worked with uh, Alex Soto, who's a former UFC. Yep. Um, and then Cyborg even sat in uh, when we were in Abu Dhabi. Chris Cyborg. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. For, show, for a couple fights, two fights. Um, so that was probably my two biggest high-profile guys uh, that I've worked with. And I think I, I'm probably missing somebody. I'm sure that I am. What about, did, did Frank Mir, did you work with him at all during ACB or no? So I, I, I haven't done commentary with him. Um, okay. So uh, obviously like he's there, I'm doing the announcing, but he's doing uh, commentary with Brian Lacey. Right. So we're, we're on the same team, uh, but not necessarily actually doing the commentary together. But Frankie Edgar, man, what a what an incredible guy. I mean, one of the most down to earth, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him or not. The guy is so down to earth, humble really nice guy, extremely knowledgeable, of course. Um, and I've kind of, it's funny because he's asking me a lot more advice, you know, where I should be asking him about stuff. He's asking me about stuff about broadcasting because he wants to be a better broadcaster, and, Interesting, uh, okay. which is really cool. You know, asking me for tips, you know, what'd you think of this? What'd you think of that? It's like, Oh, okay. Frankie Edgar wants my opinion. That's cool. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, super nice guy. I've never had the chance to interview him. I did a post-fight scrum with him, I want to say, at UFC 205 when he yeah. beat um, 
who did he fight? Was it Jeremy Stevens? I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so so that's the closest I've had, but yeah, definitely on the list for sure is someone someone to talk to. Um, what's the craziest place you've ever traveled to? Like, what sort of maybe not necessarily the spot itself, but do you have any stories of like you know crazy travel plans that you know maybe got mixed up, maybe a flight gets delayed, you're having uh, to you know make connecting flights? Is there is there one particular story that sort of stands out? Uh, yeah. Uh, gosh, and it's and just kind of going through all of it. Um, some of the places, I mean. Like Kazakhstan was kind of a crazy place to go. I mean, it's not, and it's it's the hotels you stay in sometimes. You know what I mean? Like the Kazakhstan one wasn't too bad, uh, but I've been in some pretty interesting hotels. You know what I mean? Uh, working in Romania is always pretty interesting. Uh, it's kind of a it's hard to explain the place. It's a really dark and gloomy place. You know, and you kind of assume that there's probably some bad stuff happening <laughs> around. Right. You, don't, you, you don't know for sure, but you kind of make some assumptions uh, that this could be a crazy place. Um, and they're, uh, they're a pretty hardcore partying place, which is pretty wild too. So you kind of go out and you see some crazy stuff in the nightlife and that sort of thing. Uh, Brazil's another one, man. You know, I did a lot of shows in Brazil in Sao Paulo and Sao Paulo is a pretty dangerous city. Uh, same with Johannesburg, South Africa. I mean, the crime rates high. Um, so you're kind of always looking over your shoulder and stuff like that. Um, when you walk around and uh, I know I was in Johannesburg and I went to a movie and I decided, Hey, I'm just going to go to a movie at like 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? And I'm just going to walk to the mall, which is like two blocks away. And I had people tell me like, you're insane. <laughs> what, mm. what the hell were you doing out in the middle of the night? Um, you know, I had my cell phone wide out, you know, doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Uh, so I've, I've had some instances like that where, um, where, not where I've been real nervous, but you know what I mean? Maybe in places I shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Just kind of be yeah. dumb about it. But, um, as far as like flight plans, man, you know, it's just crazy layovers and stuff like that. You know, you miss a flight, you end up in an airport for a full day. Um, they reroute you here, they reroute you there. Um, so stuff like that happens all the time. Uh, that's, that's literally something I deal with four or five times a year where like, I'll just have a trip from hell. You know what I mean? Um, right. It just happened this year for the ACB. I had to go to, I was going to go to Moscow for one of their biggest shows of the year. Uh, title fight, big fight. Uh, it was my second show in Russia and I traveled so much that I filled up a passport and my Russian visa was in the passport that I filled up. So I had to go to Atlanta because I can't send my I can't send to get a new passport. I had to literally take a day trip to Atlanta and fly down there and fly back, get a new passport. Well, I traveled. I got to London and I was getting ready to get on my flight to Moscow and I carried both passports with me. So I had the passport with the visa in it and the passport that was my current passport. Well, they wouldn't let me go, which, which is crazy. Right. So in my experience in China. And in Brazil, as long as you have that valid visa with you, no matter if it's in an old passport or not, they'll use it. With Russia, that valid visa has to be in the valid passport. So I kind of hit a snag there, and there was no way around it. So they sent me into London. I had all my luggage with me. It was a pain in the ass. Lugging it around London, going to the Russian embassy, trying to get my visa moved over to my other passport, and it couldn't be done. So I literally couldn't make the show. And that was one of the only times – that was the only time where I could not make a show because of flights. And it – man, it 
put me in a bad place. I was so they were pissed that they they considered that my mistake. I should have known better. Obviously, I should have known better, but at the same time, it was just something I I thought for sure I was fine with my visa. I wasn't. Uh, I had to. I literally got to London at like ten o'clock in the morning. I was back on a flight back to the states at ten o'clock at night. So oh, man, <laughs> it was crap. What? <laughs> what did they end up doing uh, since you couldn't make the show? Did they get like a replacement, or how did how did it work out? They got a guy that they've used before. Um, okay, basically on, on late notice, a guy that they share with fight nights. Um, whenever I couldn't be there because uh, okay. I had, I had a couple conflicting issues this year because I worked with ESC and they gave me their schedule. And if somebody gives me their schedule and I give my word, I'm going to do an event. I'm going to do an event. Um, right. uh, I'll give you another story that really sucked this yeah. year. Uh, actually was, or the year before um, I was working for Abu Dhabi warriors. I had a bunch of shows lined up. They were already and I think brave came along too. And uh, Ryzen re- reached out to me. And I got I got the I got a message on Facebook. It was a hey, this is Jerry from Ryzen. Give me a call. Calls me. We want you to come do commentary, play by play. Okay. Dream job. Yeah. Dream job. Going to Japan. Still never been to Japan. Working a show, Tokyo Dome, I believe is where it was, that or Saitama, doing commentary for Ryzen. Had to turn it down. That's uh. that sucked. That that sucked bad because I'm one. Of, I'm pretty sure Crow Cop fought on that too, which yeah. would have been another bucket list because I've always wanted to do one of his fights, and he's on the tail end now. So I had to give it up. Um, I think they ended up getting Showdown Joe. I'm pretty sure for that one, and yeah. then he's done all of them since then, which awesome for him. But I'm like, son of a bitch, that was my shot. <laughs> right? To yeah. No, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that was hard. You know, that was probably one of the hardest moments that I've had in the sport was having to turn that down. But I had two events that weekend and I couldn't renege on those. I couldn't be that guy. You know what I mean? So No, I hear you. And and that's, you know, kind of to bring it to, to my world a little bit, you know, because I, I do this full time now and I'm a freelancer. So I, I work for different outlets. I mean, I, I face that as well, too, whether it's someone I, I want to interview, you know, one outlet will get mad that, hey, you didn't, how come you didn't do this for us or whatever? Like, you have to sort of pick and choose. And I'm with you as well. Like, if I commit to something, I have to commit to it. Um, it it's it's kind of a balancing act, you know, when you when you are because you, you're essentially a freelancer, like you don't work for one particular promotion. So you yeah. have to sort of balance that. I'm sure that's another challenge as well that you have to deal with. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And it's hard. And when I look at my calendar, like every time, uh, a show announces, like luckily EFC will give me their full schedule. Uh, and the new show I'm going to is giving me their full schedule. So I can look at that and I can kind of see where the dates are going to conflict and we can figure it out. Okay. How are we going to work this out? But then like for brave combat federation, they announced like one event at a time, you know what I mean? So when they make an announcement, I'm like, oh, crap. You know, and I did right. my Yeah, because you don't have like, enough notice. Please, yeah. please, 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 please. Most of the time, luckily, it's worked out. But but there's those times. And you have to say, hey, I can't. And anytime you do that, being a freelancer, you run the risk of losing your job. You it's true. I mean? it's, they yeah. pick up a guy. They like him. They might like him more than you or whatever. And, and a guy that can commit to their shows, hey, I'll be your only guy. I can't do that. You know what I mean? Um it, it, it's hard to do. Give me your calendar. Give me your dates. I'll write them in. But it's first come, first serve. Sometimes it's it's crazy. Yeah. So that that is that's a really hard thing to deal with for sure. 
So we got about 10 minutes left in the show. I have a couple more questions for you. And then, of course, yeah. uh, we've got some fun stuff to talk about at the end as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I wanted to know sort of what is, is sort of the dream job? You mentioned, uh, you know, doing commentary in Japan. Is it the UFC? Is is there sort of one uh, particular thing that, that, you know, would be sort of the dream job? I mean, you're living the dream right now. But, I mean, you know, everyone's got sort of that pinnacle thing for, that they want to achieve. It's, uh, it's WWE. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, 100%. Uh, UFC is up there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're on the same plane. I mean, if, if, uh, let's just say this if Dana and Vince called on the same day, I'd probably take Vince. Okay. Just because it's my first love. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid that loved wrestling. You know what I mean? So if I had the chance to do WrestleMania and play by play WrestleMania or even do backstage reporting or whatever, that's my dream job. Um, and all the shows that I work for know it. I mean, I've told them. Yeah, it's like if Vince calls, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. But uh, so I'm, I'm always chasing that, and I'm always chasing UFC. Um, but just being on that platform, you can't, you can't beat it. You know what I mean? It's being. I think I always say this. I'm, I'm a big time grandma's boy, right? If I can tell my grandma, "Hey, I'm on USA. Turn me on nine o'clock." That's my dream. You know what I mean? Or if I can tell my kids. You know, turn on Fox. I'm on UFC. That's my dream. You know what I mean? I just want my family to see what I can do instead of having to, like, jump through hoops and do streams and stuff like that. I want, you know, I want that recognition. You know what I mean? I want to be a part of those big productions. That's, like I told you, I'm a production guy. So when I can be a part of an amazing production, that's the stuff that really, really gets me going. So, yeah, I mean, it's WWE, it's UFC. It's right there. Cool. Okay, yeah, that's sure. that's good to hear because here on Fightful we uh, we cover wrestling and uh, mixed martial arts, so it's it's kind of a nice hybrid. And I think we're the only site out there that's sort of bringing the two together. So it's uh, it's interesting uh, to hear you say that, which is uh, good news. Um, what about uh, this year? Uh, do you have any events sort of lined up? Where where can people uh, catch you this year as far as the events you'll be doing uh, as far as your schedule? Yeah. So um, okay, so Brave Combat Federation, uh, believe no, they're not the first show of the year. That's or maybe they are another March. <laughs> First show of the year is going – I can't say it. So uh, I, I reached out to the guy. I just signed a deal. Okay. Uh, so I left the ACB, um, which I want to say, if they're watching, um, incredible situation there. Uh, they did look after me, um, gave me a lot of work this year, extremely appreciative of my work, which is amazing. That's a good thing to hear when somebody's telling you on a regular basis – Wow, that's an awesome job. You're the man. We love you. Cool. That's that's amazing. Uh, they took care of me, and it is a fine production. They're great. Um, that being said, um, I found an organization, and I'll, I'll be releasing it probably this week. I wanted to release it here, but I couldn't get the confirmation from the owner. So I, I know um, I know how that is, man. It's it's all it's all good. Yeah, I, I know yes. how that works. You got to make sure all your eyes are dotted and T's and everything else. Exactly. So I don't know if they're doing a press release or not, but basically, I'll be on a platform that's larger than what I've been on before. So, right. um, uh, on, on a network, uh, or a service. So, uh, yeah. Well, so congratulations. I mean, I look forward to hearing what it is, but, uh, that, that's quite the accomplishment. So, so. But EFC, I'll, I'll be, I'll be with the EFC still this year. Uh, so they do 10 events, pretty sure I'm doing all 10 of those. Um, and then brave and then, uh, this new show. So, and then next level, uh, if, if we can make it all work, that's, uh, I love doing next level fights. They're out of North Carolina. So if I can make it work, I'll be there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the plans for 2018. So it should be busy. 
What would be the best advice you'd give to someone watching this that wants to get into either ring announcing or commentary that you've uh, sort of uh, kept with you throughout these years? Yeah. So um, just get as much work as possible, obviously. Um, you know, for ring announcers, find wrestling, uh, find small fights, um, and just put yourself out there. You know, I mean, it's Facebook's an amazing tool, man. Uh, Facebook literally galvanized my career uh, because there's it's so accessible. Luckily, especially on a lower level, the fight game is very accessible. Uh, CEOs, guys that run shows, they're on Facebook. Find them. Figure out who runs what show. Google it. I mean, the internet's at your disposal. You got the the best tool that you have at your fingertips. You can make things happen. You know what I mean? Um, but just grind it out. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Uh, never stop hustling. Um, and just like we talked about before, critique your own work. Have other people critique your work that are bigger than you. Yeah, uh, mentors are key. That's something we talk about a lot in here. Have mentors. Have people you can bring your work to and you know, get criticism from people you respect. I think that's exactly. a key thing, too. For sure. Yeah. So do that. Um, th those are the keys, you know, just never stop hustling, never stop grinding, get better. We got five minutes left. Uh, I want to talk some retro video games with you because, uh, you know, it's, it's, as people know, I, uh, you know, I have, I have a couple loves, uh, you know, doing this obviously as a career is one of them and doing this podcast and, uh, you know, a lot of other things, but I love my retro video games and I certainly uh, try and make time for it every week. So I got to ask, uh, what, what are you, are you like a, you know, old school Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, what's sort of your go-to system uh, from back in the day? Yeah, Nintendo has, you know, I'm 35 years old. So, I mean, Nintendo was my childhood. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get much Atari and a little bit of Atari, uh, but mostly Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. Basically, all the Nintendo platforms is what I always gravitated towards. I never had okay. Genesis. Um, didn't have a PlayStation uh, or a PS2. Then I went to Microsoft. But, uh, yeah, so Nintendo stuff, basically. Um yeah, I love all that stuff, man. I, did, did you get the mini? Do you, do you play? Do you still play any of the classic stuff these days? Did you get the mini at all? Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't have a mini. Uh, I didn't. I didn't fight for it or you know scrounge for it like a lot of people did. Um, I know it's a little bit more available now, uh, but uh, you know, with retro, I love to play. I don't play a lot, but mm -hmm. I watch stuff on retro games. So do I. <laughs> so do if, I. It's it literally if, I, if I'm on lunch, there, there's there's one guy who has a YouTube channel. I should Which send one? it to you later. I don't know if this guy, uh, his name uh, Darbian, I believe is his name. He has he holds the world record for Super Mario Brothers. So okay. if you go on and he his whole channel is mainly just Super Mario Brothers, and it's and, and I'm not just talking like you know the the original one for the the Nintendo. I'm talking like he did like the Super Mario All Stars version on Super Nintendo. Like he has oh, the okay. records for all those too. And uh, there, there's a website actually as well. Uh, I, mean, I, I got in my is bookmarks. He speed, here. Is he a speedrunner? He is. Yeah. So if you go to okay. speedrun.com, which I'm sure you're familiar with, if you go on there, you'll see that he holds the records for all the Mario games, all, all the old ones. So that, that um, stuff blows my mind. I mean, oh, me too. To be able to do what they do, it's it's insane, and it's memorizing and patterns and stuff like that. And I can't even wrap my head around it. I mean, but it's it's really cool. I watch a guy. I watch. I like. I watch the guys that talk about it. So like. I watch like GameSack. I watch um, Rerez, who's right out of Canada. Um, Shane Louis. Uh, who else? Oh, Angry Video Game Nerd. All the Cinemaster guys. Of course. Oh, guys. the best. The best. Um, yeah, I watch those P uh, Metal Jesus Rock. There's, there's so many of them. Uh, but I can just watch these dudes all day talk about games. Top 10 lists and just anything you can think about. And it just kind of jogs my memory. It gets my stuff going. And I just watch that stuff. It's all nostalgia to me. 
I just love to watch things like that. I think they're fun. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, and uh, I always find it interesting. One of the things I really like is um, a lot of people have been doing like the hacks uh, in games. So, for example, yeah. there's some guy who did. Uh, I used to play. I I was sort of the opposite of you. I did I did uh, regular Nintendo. Went to Sega Genesis, went to N64, and then uh, went to Xbox. But uh, the N64 is a, is a beloved system. I still have it in my living room like, right I like now. N64, yeah. Um, there's some guy, if you look it up, he I think he hold, either holds a world record or he has one that's pretty close that did Mario Kart. There's so many little glitches in Mario Kart where you can actually, like, you know, finish one of the, the races, like, in record time. And it's cool to watch this guy. Like, there's one on the... Um, it's the it's the ice level, the, one of the snowing levels where yeah. literally you just have to uh, boost backwards and it thinks that you've done a lap. And so this guy just keeps doing that and he gets the record. <laughs> and I think he finishes it in like 20 seconds. It's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I like all the hacks, all the stuff that they do at the games. It's it's so much fun, man. It, it, do you, you still play a lot of games? Now? Oh, I do. I, I play I play all the classic ones. So I, I have an N64 and uh, I have some other things that I use that I can't really talk about on air, but maybe we can talk about in a private after this that I, I'm still able to play some retro gaming and uh, I'm a big uh, fan. And I got a cool story for you. You'll you'll appreciate this. So I'm in uh, I'm in New York covering UFC 205. I'm with a good friend of mine, Aaron Bronsetter, who does uh, a lot of uh, MMA reporting for TSN here in Canada. Yeah. We're in New York and somehow he uh, manages to uh, get a hold of this launch party they're doing for the Nintendo Mini in New York while we're there. Just so happened that they were doing the, you know, the, the launch party yeah. for the Nintendo Mini during UFC 205. So we go there. We were actually there with, um, I don't know if you remember uh, on WWE, do you remember a guy by the name of Kyle Edwards? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kyle's real name's Arda O'Cal. He used to be a broadcaster here in yeah, Canada, in Toronto. And uh, Aaron knows him, and I've known I've known Arda a little bit. I didn't know him too well back then. So uh, the three of us go to this launch party, and we didn't have to pay because what Aaron did was he told he got in touch with the PR girl there and told them we were going to do social media stuff for the event and promote it and everything, which we didn't do. So we got into this party, <laughs> and I mean, it's not like they're going to come after us now, but we we got into this party. <laughs> We, uh, we ended up getting – what they do is they bring you in, and uh, it was just like, you know, they had, like, food. They actually – the way they did it was they had, like, old, like um, – they had, like, old stuff from the 80s. Like, they had, like, a cla- they had, like cl- classic, like, chocolate milk, and they had, like, all these old things that they had in the 80s, like an old, like, old uh, soda That's pop. Awesome. and Not stuff that was actually, like, from back then, but they, like, recreated yeah, it yeah, for, yeah. This, for this event. So, literally, you're there from – I think we were there from, like, 9 o'clock to, like, midnight when the launch was going to happen with, with the Mini. So, they had a bunch of screens there, and they did, like, a whole, like, video montage of the history of Nintendo and everything else. And we got to play games for hours. They had, like, Super Mario Brothers. They had Punch-Out. They had all the classics there. So, we're literally sitting there playing games. And then, of course, when midnight hits, they start selling the Minis. And uh, because we were there as media, they gave us special treatment and actually gave us first dibs on buying a Mini oh. instead of waiting in line. And I actually didn't even need one because I, you know, I have uh, some other things that I used to, to play that. So I actually got it from my boss that, I, that, uh, that was at my day job who actually let me take time off work to go cover that UFC 205 event. So that was, uh, that was my experience uh, doing that, uh, going to the Nintendo stores. Yeah, stuff I mean, anytime you can use your influence to do something like that, that that's just another fringe benefit that kind of comes with it, man. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I would love to have the NES Mini, and I, I know what you're talking about <laughs> 100% with how you play and stuff like that. I think that's how a lot of people do, because collecting the old school cartridges and doing that is just a money pit I couldn't even imagine trying to dig into, but um but yeah, man, it's it's the best. It's how I grew up. I still love it to this day. I try to get my daughter into it and stuff. She's she'll be five like in two weeks, and um, I, I I get her on it and try to get her playing. Now she likes the Nintendo Switch, so she plays uh, Mario Odyssey a little bit and just runs around and stuff. So 
it's cool to kind of transfer that onto my kids and see them enjoy it as well. But yeah, man, I love the games. I love it. How do you, how do you like Odyssey? I haven't played it yet. Um, I, I'm going to get a switch eventually. It's just uh, for now, I can't really justify it uh, financially just cause uh, you know, it's a little pricey. So I'm going to get into it eventually. It's good. No, it's cool. It's cool. I got it. Um, I, heck I, well, I could justify it, but yeah, I mean, I had to pull some strings with my wife to make it happen, but, uh, uh, I got in, I got Zelda and I got uh, Mario Kart, but Odyssey is really cool. I mean, it, it reminds you of Mario 64. It's very, very similar, uh, in the way that it is. It's very open world though. So you can do a lot of stuff and a lot of little extra things to do during the game. Instead of just going and beating the boss, there's a lot of extra stuff. Um, so it'll keep you busy, but the Nintendo switch is a game changer for sure. You got to try yeah. to make that happen. Yeah, a lot of the older games I find are good, too, because you can just pick up and play them. Like, I have friends that are coming over now, and, uh, you know, they'll just want to play the, the classic games just because, you know, you can pick them up, and it, it's really easy. And, and I will say this, too, before we get out of here, because we are out of time, but uh, the, uh, the, the, the the classic games are making a comeback, man. I, I can't tell you how many times I see barcades pop up everywhere. I was just in I Detroit. I love a barcade, man. For, uh, for UFC 218, I was, I was in, uh, my, you know, a couple of my uh, friends were covering the event as well, and we went and hit up a barcade, and it was great. I was playing NBA Jam and Street yeah. Fighter and it's uh it's I love to see that making a comeback and they got a really if you ever come to Toronto there's a place here called Tilt uh that is uh that is just downtown and uh yeah. they, they have a really cool deal where you pay five bucks cover to get in and you get unlimited gaming on all the arcades and it's That's uh it's an awesome place so oh, uh, yeah, dude. I went to one in Montreal that was actually really fun god it's I think it's Bar- Barcade Montreal or okay and I haven't been there. I should games. check that out. I'm, I think I'm going to Montreal in a couple months. Yeah, I do this yeah, thing every man. year where I go to uh, go to a hockey game. So really I'll, uh, small, like it's a real small place. Uh, not a whole lot of room, but they packed a lot of games into it, and they were they were like streaming. They do streams on Twitch too, I think, and they were like nice. streaming like an NES ice hockey tournament on there and stuff. And like dudes were really getting into it. I was playing NBA Jam the whole time. Uh, I'm an NBA Jam nut. I love the NBA. Um, but uh, but yeah, they were doing that. So yeah, barcades are absolutely the best place to go for me. Everywhere, every time I go to a city, I look for a barcade. So yeah. that's like the first thing I look up. Yeah. That and stand-up comedy. If I go to cover any UFC event, I'll look up and see if they have a barcade or stand-up comedy place. We're too it much sounds alike. like we're too I was going to say we're, we're we're very much on the same wavelength. <laughs> but uh, man, I wish we had more time. Uh, that, you know, obviously, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, we are we are wrapping up here. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Cyrus. I'm really glad we got to finally connect and, and talk about uh, you know all your work and all the great work you're doing. I should say uh, on the international MMA scene. I just remind people where they can uh, get a hold of you on social media. Any projects you want to plug? Anything like that, man? The floor is yours. Uh, yeah, so Twitter and Instagram, I think, are both Cyrus the Show, at Cyrus the Show. Uh, and then you can get me on Facebook as well. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I need to get a website. I've been putting that off for way too long. Um, but I, ha- I haven't jumped on the website game yet, but I'll get on that. But uh, basically, just stay tuned. I'm going to be dropping info on, on the new show. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's, it's a big step in my career, uh, just going to a new platform that's a little bit widely more widely known. So, um so i'm excited about that so we'll be dropping the news and uh and you can retweet it and put it out there for me i definitely will i will definitely do that <laughs> um everyone's got to tune in next week uh to the mma industry podcast we'll be back uh usually uh I'm thinking we're going to do one o'clock eastern time that's usually when we try and do it but anywhere around lunchtime sort of what we're aiming at but i already have a guest booked and uh for fans of uh you know fightful you're going to really like this one uh he's someone that uh, covers mma and pro wrestling so uh yeah i'm, I'm really excited for this one and uh thanks for for tuning in today guys you can follow me on twitter at lynch on sports any feedback comments anything like that i'm happy to respond and uh, we'll see you next week on thursday and i want to thank cyrus once Once again, for coming on the show.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.